Live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Happy Tuesday to everybody out there. It is time for On the Block here on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Jake Bakovin. He is the Husker Hall of Famer, longtime NBA vet Eric Strickland. We're ready for a nice Tuesday of sports talk with you. Very excited for our 525 guest, Mo Williams. Uh, of course, maybe best known for uh, his all-star appearance and championship days with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but he played for plenty of teams. You ever uh, cross paths with Mo Williams in the league, Strick, as far as a teammate, or were you guys always on opposite sides? No, we, we were teammates in Milwaukee okay. for the two years that I was there. So, yeah, we, we got a chance to play together, and so uh, we stayed in contact in, in his journey uh, afterwards uh, when he started coaching and wanting to get in and, he started a an AAU team and and uh, you know took an affinity to that and and just uh, looking to build his brand went down there and hanging out with Dion now yeah down in Jackson State yeah it's 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 kind of a cool campus to be on I think with Mo Williams and Dion uh, both out there it's kind of like I, I said earlier it kind of reminds me of Nebraska's thing they have going on with a former NBA player and a former at least champion at the college level and Scott Frost uh, so it's got some cachet to it so I can't wait to, to hear from him maybe about his playing days but like you said also about what he's doing now as, as he tries to get Jackson State rolling um, out there in, in college basketball so we'll catch up with Mo and uh, try to figure out kind of what he thinks about uh, you know some of the stuff going on in college basketball and the NBA as well. Uh, and that's kind of where I, I wanted to, to start here is kind of this this transfer portal um, and, and how is Nebraska supposed to attack it or, or look to attack it this year because it looks like, and we're still kind of waiting on, the you know, kind of the Derek Walkers and the Trey McGowns of the world um, to know how many additions Nebraska is going to need from the transfer portal, basically. They could choose what to do with those scholarships. They could, you know, put them out, out elsewhere as well for, you know, a young man coming in. But um, for Hoiberg, he's built his brand around the transfer portal back before it was called the transfer portal. It's just kind of transfers back then at Iowa State, uh, and it worked out uh, wonderfully for his success at, with the Cyclones. Kind of had the same game plan here, had the same staff put in place, Matt Abdelmasi is right-hand man in Ames as well in Lincoln. Now they're they're, they're pivoting, they're turning, they're, they're having to change things up, but do you think that it's going to be less transfer portal in the future, or do you think that that's kind of, you know, the brand that they have so far, and does it make more sense these days to get a kid um, that's already had some experience and is, and is ready to roll? So that's that, that's the thing that's been I've been pondering in my mind. I mean, at this point, Fred Hoiberg has brought 13 non-JUCO transfers, both to Nebraska and Iowa State, and 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 so in his last two seasons alone, he's brought in six JUCO transfers, and um, even more <laughs> than he did at uh, at Iowa State. So I, I think you know with the 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 JUCO route that he had taken, uh, bringing in Hanif Cheatham and uh, Deshaun Burke and Cam Mack and Jervé Green and the likes of them. And then he had a balance in some instances where he had some freshmen that came in and like Kevin Cross and Samari Curtis and Charlie Easley. 
but ultimately after one season they jump into the portal so uh there seems to be some instability um as you can add teddy allen to that group uh, trey mcgowan still uncertain uh kobe webster obviously coming over which is on his teams now uh lat man who was a juco player and and then trevor lakes who also jumped in so you're, you're still having this topsy-turvy uh aspect that's a, a part of 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 the culture so for me, the, the things that I've been pondering is if that's going to be your model, if you're going to have that as a model, I think you want to signify what is uh, the way that you're going to go about doing it. Right. So what I mean by that is you've got to figure out, is it going to be about character? Is it going to be about culture? Is it going to be about style of play? And so you really it just seems to me that it's finding the best talent has been the model and bringing them here and trying to transition them in to something that has, as you're trying to build or a previous model that you had once, once had, and it just hasn't worked. And it's been topsy turvy. It's been instability in that. And so the question I have Bach, and I want to throw that at you is, you know, does losing bring instability or does instability breed losing? And I think that's a phenomenal question. I, I think we also should take that, uh, on the Sauter Heyman text line at 402-464-5685. You know, th that's a, that's just a wonderful question that's kind of been out there. Does losing breed instability or does instability breed losing? And so I think it's got to get back to what do you want to do? What style do you want to play? What types of players in, uh, in, and should they be character guys of the culture that you're trying to build? And I think that's probably a good method in which you, you, you can use the transfer portal as a means by which to uh, make it work for you. Yeah, and it, it can seriously, I mean, honestly, be pretty cyclical. And we're kind of seeing that um, as it plays out in front of us. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, initially I, I kind of like to, to lean toward, um, you know, losing does breed instability because, you know, it, it's it's. But it's 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 certainly started out with the other way around, right? So I think it's a kind of a cyclical thing where you know they started by coming in here, clearing out the team, basically keeping Thor uh, Thor around, and and that's about it. And and you know so they just didn't have a whole lot to build off the previous staff. And I was talking about this too, uh, is that I think part of the reason why what he took over was was so barren and and, and, and part of it's because he, he cleared the roster, but he didn't feel like those guys were, you know, the Brady Hymans, the Mir Harris's were guys that he were was going to be able to build with moving forward. Um so he kind of cleared that team, but it was I, I think the bigger problem was Tim Miles had that year where everybody knew it was make or break for Tim Miles, right? It was kind of coming off the previous year where it was like, yeah, he's sliding by with the skin of his teeth now. You know, how is he going to make it the next year? And so I think that hurt recruiting. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I pointed out that that also kind of happened with Bo Pelini there. So I think when you're on the edge with a coach, and you might see it happen with the Scott Frost team where you have one year left, and maybe it could happen to Hoiberg too, I suppose, where he's he's up against it as well. Um it can make recruiting quite difficult, at least for the four-year players. If you're adding, you know, a one-year guy that knows he's going to play under you, um, then sure, you know, these the transfer portal might be um, Nebraska. Just Nebraska's case might be a little bit more suitable or attractive to guys that have one or two years left, where they think this is going to be my coaching staff moving forward, as opposed to a four-year guy. Um, and you know, people transfer so often these days; it's not like they they'd be limited, and you get the one-time free transfer. Um, 
So you could still commit to your coach and hope that he sticks around and believe in it, obviously, if you're committing to it. Um, but it would just it, it makes more short term sense in my mind for the, the, the JUCO route or the um, the transfer portal route for those guys to go there. Um, you know, and I think like like, uh, you know, that makes sense. It's certainly for Sam Greasel that they just grabbed. You know, he's got one year remaining. He knows Nebraska is going to be part of it. But it, that doesn't help the or excuse me, knows Hoiberg's to be part of Nebraska. That doesn't help the long term continuity for this team. Um, no. and it's, it's just been a constantly cyclical in that aspect too. And that's, you know, that's where I think that it's going to be key to get the Derek Walkers or the Trey McGowan's back. But I don't know how likely I feel that is at this point. Um, one, because you haven't heard anything. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. Um, but Derek Walker's just kind of getting older and, and, you know, could certainly probably make some money overseas. Um, Trey McGowan's absolutely could make some money playing basketball somewhere. Maybe not the NBA level, but, you know, you know a step down from that. And um, his brother, having his made his decision to move on, it just looks like another complete throw-together type of team. And, you know, again, part of what, what's kind of stunned this all along is the first team that they threw together – Everybody left off that team, too, besides the guys like Delano Banton that were sitting out. But you're not having any sort of stability moving from year to year, and I think you're going to see another year of that. Um, and, and we'll see. I mean, Latman might st- decide to stick around, but he's also getting older. And, you know, I, I'm starting to, to see some of those guys just want to move on with their lives and, um, you know, try to make some money out of it. Yeah, I think I think the injury to Trey could – make it a, a better point for him to maybe stick around a little bit and put some more numbers up and, and now be a more integral piece to what, you know, you had a rock and roll, rocky road type of a season because you started off really well, then boom, you have a long injury layoff and then you come back. And as you're starting to finally get back into a rhythm, it's over with, you know? So I think it's possible for him. I could understand Derek, Derek, Derek Walker in a sense, definitely. Um, the only way, Derek, I would say stay is if you want to improve your your money making opportunity and that you need to work on stretching the floor. You've got just look at Brady Manic, right? Manic is going to make some money if he continues what he's just the run he's made in the NCAA tournament with North Carolina. That is a phenomenal transfer get. Right. Just look at what look at what uh, happened with Kansas, you know. Uh, uh, getting Remy Martin. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it seems to me that there's a method to the madness on certain people. They're bringing in certain fits that fits into the core of what they're trying to do or their style of play or uh, the character. And that's what I've seen with Remy Martin. He had a certain type of character, a, a, a leadership quality, something that he brought to the table with that. And I think you've got to figure it out and find that if that's going to be your, your game of play. So it's going to be an interesting thing to watch, um, especially with Abdomasi uh, exiting, because he's been your go-to guy as far as handling the transfer portal, bringing these guys in. Um, I think you've got to start with some foundational things, man. And, and But the problem with that is so much now time has been wasted with COVID and then, you know, the first season. So really, this is really only his first season being there. And does he have the foundational pieces that is needed and necessary to have a building block, but does he more, 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 more than that, does he have the time? And that's, that's the quagmire they find themselves in. They don't really have the time now. And then you've had a couple of wasted seasons in, in, in that you haven't been able to secure that foundation. Well, we talked all along about how Bryce McGowan's was the key to, you know, and obviously it didn't seem 
all the time like he was going to come back, but if you could bring him back, that was going to be, you know, a major plus for, for yeah. team building. With him out of the picture, um, you know, let's say those guys do move on, which I think is a possibility. Who do you see Nebraska building around? Is, is it C.J. Wilcher who played kind of the, that, you know, off the bench role as a spark plug? I mean, I would think that he would be the closest as far as your returning players um, that you would start to build around. I don't know what that says about your team overall, um, but he was improving. You know, he's got a good shot. You know, he's obviously a piece that you that you want um, on this team. It's just hard to imagine him going from this role now to kind of being the guy. Uh, and how long do you think that that might take for him? Or do you think somebody else would be kind of who they'd be building around? I think you got to look at Wiltshire. I think you got to look at Breidenbach. Uh, hopefully that he can come back and be strong with, with, uh, uh, with the injury situation. I think you got to look at Blaze Keita, you know, getting him. Uh, you want to try to retain him and, and continuously build on his game in the same manner you would try to do with Walker. You want to work on creating like a, a LaMarcus Aldridge type in Blaze Keita, you know what I mean, where he works really good with his back to the basket. He's got great touch, got a good 15-footer, and to be able to move that out to 18 to 20, and 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 create hopefully that's what that's how I would sit down with them and have conversations is okay here's where we're at here's how we want to use you but here's where we want to get you to and so we want to we want to take two years we want to take two years to build you to this and if we see you hit these benchmarks or hit these um, you know KPIs you know what I mean then at that point then we can look at where do we go from here is this something we should do. Are you there to be able to make that next move to the draft? You know, so those are the conversations I'd be having in, 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 in the, in the locker room or in the office with him trying to create those types of systems. So you got to look at that um, with CJ Wilcher. You got to look at that with Brian Bach. You got to look at those um, and then bringing in some of the new, new, the newcomers and creating that solid foundation and building off of. Yeah. And, and I'm also kind of just thinking too, cause I, I we were talking about the football uh, team Um there on the ticket water cooler and just kind of how difficult it is to get excited about the football team despite hearing positive reviews from spring right because we've heard it before under this staff and it just hasn't equated to wins on the football field or in a lot of times you know progress on the football field here and there in certain categories Nebraska basketball I've been I've been thinking all along especially you know kind of the, the previous question I, I threw out to you about Bryce McGowan's is that without him you just don't have a whole lot of um, hype that's going to be around the program, even even before Bryce. You know, you kind of think of Delano Banton, who everybody kind of thought, okay, that's it's just a different NBA body. Do they have somebody? Do you think that Blaze Keita or Ramel Lloyd could fill that role of getting you know the newcomer that's going to get everybody really rock solid excited? Or do you think it's just going to be hard on, on behalf of the PR staff until they start winning games? Because it just seems like for Hoiberg, you're at that point where you can tell us this guy's going to be great. And heck, they can be great. They can be NBA-level players. But it hasn't turned over to wins yet. Yeah, I think you've got to – I think your, your expectation has got to be uh, uh, centered around the team, right, and the style and and the the culture you're going to present out front. That was the one thing we talked about all season and even just prior to the season here on the block and, and even in, in, in other shows, we've talked about that. What is their identity? We, we, I mean, I still think that even at the end of the season, they didn't really, they didn't really solidly have an identity. 
And I think if you can tailor your messaging around the team and identity and what they're going to present and show that, I think the fans would, would can can get behind that, right? Um, but I don't want to I don't want to target players. I don't want to do that because you're right. You can have a miss on that, and then all of a sudden, you know, your focus turns to the miss. But you, if you can set an identity that is one where fans can look to and see and 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 and, and actually a tangible thing that they, while they go to the games or while they're sitting and watching on the TV, they have an opportunity to see that actually come together. I think that's something to build off of. Um, I think it's going to be tough though. I think it's going to be tough. I think they have a a ability to do that, but yeah, it's going to be hard to, to do it by way of individual uh, conversations. I would say the same thing for football. I say, I I say I would build an identity. We're either going to run it down your throat we're going to get back to real Husker power football. And when you see that, you're going to see us hitting off the tackles. You're going to see us, uh, you know, running, um, you know, all, uh, on a uh, read plays or, or however that line is going to be moving people. And, and, and that's, if you can see that and, and in the football team, you know, we're going to play fast. We're going to play downhill. You know, anything like that, I think they can create those types of identities where people can then perceive and see, then it's going to create a little bit of uh, fervor behind it. And before I want to switch topics real quick before we, we get to break. Uh, it's just that Nebraska and Creighton uh, have a doubleheader today as far as uh, as far as softball and baseball. Softball mm-hmm. already off to a good start in the first inning up 4 nothing on Creighton. Baseball obviously looking to, to kind of find their way as they ha- head off to Charles Schwab Field out there in Omaha and get the win. Not necessarily breaking down um, what's going down on the baseball field or the, the softball diamond there, um, but more just... Uh, I was I was talking to Nathan and he's you know obviously he's you know a Virginia guy and, and has been in Nebraska for a year. I was kind of surprised that I thought that Creighton was was maybe Nebraska's top rival at the moment across all sports. And of course that's without a football team, and th- so maybe that's what makes it kind of surprising. But with their move to the Big Ten, with the, the heat that's been on that rivalry in basketball, do you think that that's their hottest rival, or would you still say? I mean Iowa has has certainly felt like that would probably be the the top of the list if. They're competing with the current rival at this time, um, or do you think you know the in-state stuff's enough for for Nebraska Creighton to be the biggest rivalry? Does it feel bigger than Nebraska Iowa when they meet up? I, I would say so because they've been winning the battle for, for many years now. <laughs> uh, it, it's been so disappointing for me. It's one of the most frustrating things that I see because I that was one thing I was not going to settle on that. Yeah, I've got love for some of those guys. I still, you know, periodically I catch up with Dewan Cole. I still talk to Latrell Wrightsell. Um, but when because those were the guys we played against in the summer. We played in the Idleman League and the different the leagues that we played in the summer, and you know, it was a competition. And so we was like, yo, we're gonna beat y'all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever we see you, we trying to beat you, you know. And you know, that was the one thing we didn't ever want to show up in Omaha, especially me and Badge and Woolridge at the time, we didn't ever want to show up in Omaha and, and have that, you know, that mark on us that we got beat by Creighton. And and I just don't think some of the guys understand that right now. I think that is a rivalry that still exists, must exist, and they beat you and beat the brakes off you on multiple occasions. That needs to change. Until that changes, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think you see it in volleyball now. You're seeing that yeah. rivalry even pick up. They they play they play Nebraska pretty tough in volleyball. They 
Yeah, good program. Um, you know, definitely in basketball, they you know obviously you saw how far they went in the tournament. So they're they're not a bad team. They're 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 pretty solid. So I think it's a competition outside of football that 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 one can say exists. And let us know what you guys think here there on the Sarder Heyman text line four zero two four six four five six eight five. As Nebraska and Creighton meet up on the baseball diamond, do you feel like that's Nebraska's biggest rivalry? Obviously, that's it. Kind of depends on how big of a fan you are of baseball and, and basketball and all that stuff. Because obviously, the football being the biggest sport, it's hard to supplant those rivalries. But with Nebraska's move to the Big Ten, it's hard to say. You know, I know they're playing Oklahoma in football this year, but it's hard to say Oklahoma's their top rival now. It's hard to right. say, um, you know, Texas or Kansas State are up there, Colorado. Um, so now you, you've either kind of got to decide on with, with Iowa or, or Wisconsin. I, and I think, to me, it feels like Iowa would be right up there as the top, similar to Creighton because they've just beaten you down so much in across sports. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is the landscape has changed significantly, right? What made Big 8 sports so dominant and good back in, in the late 80s and 90s, right? Mm -hmm. What made it? It was Prop 48. Yeah. Prop 48 and, and, and the Big 8 is implementation of getting these kids in. And so you were able to get top-notch talent in a, in a unique way, similar to what the, what, what the transfers used to be prior to the transfer portal, right? Now you've got to adjust to whatever the methods are in order to be able to compete against some of the best out there. And you don't have the, that advantage as you used to have. I think that was a significant advantage for us in the Big 8 at that time is being able to get those Prop 48 type of players in to our system. Now that's not the case. There's a lot of parity out there. And so you've got to create culture and you've got to create identity in which kids get behind and they buy into and uh, just to, for clarity, too, um, I can tr I can try to explain at least my understanding, and maybe you can kind of fill in here with my gaps here. Prop 48 was just allowed you to take a few extra players that d didn't quite meet uh, university standards, qualify, um, and then the Big 8 was allowed to do it. That was part of the big problem with Texas joining the Big 12 and why I think that um, – that Oklahoma, as much as they like to say they have a rivalry with Texas, they just follow along with whatever Texas says because when they all those teams kind of came over from the Southwestern Conference, that was the, the big change, right? That was the big yep. deal. Tom yeah, Osborne was voting, let's keep Prop 48, you know, that because that was partially how he was kind of competing and, and keeping those guys around. Um, but Texas decided. Yeah, you know, with all the power that they had, that they were going to vote that down. So Nebraska had to just in the Big 12. Um, and now I just kind of see the same thing with Oklahoma and Texas now with the move to the SEC. Um, Oklahoma, again, acts like their they're big rivalries on the field, off the field. They'll do whatever Texas says. Just follow along. Follow the leader. Yeah, <laughs> that's the crazy <laughs> thing. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a show me the money type of thing or whatever, because yeah. their TV contracts are sick. And as terrible as they are, right? Their, their TV contract is sick. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's very Notre Dame-ish, you know, so to speak. It's like Texas has that type of uh, play in, in the game. But, hey, teach his own. I guess Power. it is what it is, and Oklahoma at least recognizes it. I just don't buy that as a huge rivalry. Again, let us know who you think Nebraska's biggest rival is. Uh, I think we might be having a phone call. We'll see if that is uh, the case here. Uh, so we'll stick around for another se second as they, uh, the producers pick it up there. Um, but let us know what you think Nebraska's biggest rival is now, 402-464-5685. And if the losing has just kind of piled up so much, like – 
I, I think with Wisconsin, there was a chance for that rivalry to bloom. There was big excitement when they switched from the legends and leaders to go over to the Big Ten West. But you can only, you know, kick a team in the teeth so many times and beat them down um, that you – it's just like that – it feels like that rivalry. There's still hatred for Wisconsin, but it doesn't feel like you're on the same playing field anymore. Um, even though, like, it, it, individually in these games they can compete with them, they're just not winning any of those games. I feel like that's definitely hurt the Wisconsin rivalry with Nebraska. Let's go to Drew here on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline, 402-464-5685. Drew, what are you thinking today? Uh, I was just thinking, guys, in, in Strick's comment about the uh, Prop 48 stuff. Yeah. Can we, using uh, using NIL, can we go back to that? Like, find guys that are not qualified and then just uh, give give them some name, image, and likeness deal. And, and then, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's guys that are in high school. They don't have quite the grades. They don't qualify, but they come here as a walk-on. And once they walk on, we we buy their shirts that they made in craft class, and so they get <laughs> some money. And then they're sweet, awesome at football. Then they get a scholarship after a year of being sweet, awesome at football and doing craft class. And then uh, <laughs> then we win again. Can we do that? I don't know. What, what is your name? Like what is your name again? Baseball. Like baseball could be unbelievable because we could be like everybody's in craft class making an, uh, non-fungible tokens and we're all buying them. <laughs> and now we have we have the dudes every which way coming out our ears and every pitch is a, you know, everyone's a strikeout on our team for their, we strike everyone out and we hit every home run. Yeah, that's I, Trent. I, what, is, what is your name? What that's is your Trent. name again? My name is what Drew. What is his name? Oh, Drew, Drew. Drew? Drew, Drew, great point, man. I listen. I I think we've got to figure out how to navigate the system. I really do. I think we've got to figure out how to use what Caleb, uh, uh, I mean, what Casey Thompson said was this is significantly more than what the power of the perceived power of Texas even has. That Nebraska has that, and if they're going to allow certain things to be used and 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 not, I'm not going to say abused, but I'm going to say used. We've got to take advantage of that. I really think we should figure out a way to manipulate and use that system to our advantage. I do think, and, and again, there's all different types of ways to try to get the NIL money working in your favor if you're Nebraska. Um, you know, I, I, I like I like his idea, I like where he's going. I think it would be yeah. hard to <laughs> cover up <laughs> academics with NIL money. I, I think that you know, you kind of gave a, a route to maybe to kind of start that path. Um, but you know, you, you still would have to qualify for the school, you know, right. so you still have to kind of go around that and, and take extra classes. Um, I mean, NIL would, would maybe, you know, provide more motivation to get those summer class, you know, paperwork filled out and stuff, but I don't know how you would be able to, to, to just basically pay for Start grades. The system. Right. right. Um, right. So, uh, but it's not a bad idea. I I, I don't know how it'd yeah. be done. Um, so maybe you know the the, the powers that be can start That's to kind of think about figure it. out a way to right. to make it. I don't know. I don't know the, the method, but yeah, there's a there's a way. There's always a system, and there's a way. And there are a lot of people who are taking advantages of the ways that. And and the awesome thing I see out there, Bach, is we need to go to a break. I know. Yeah. The, That's fine. the one thing that I do notice is that the the top tier coaches are still they're being shifty. They're very pliable. They're figuring it out. 
even though they're having to deal with some of the same issues and problems and it's changing the way that they've normally done business and been successful. But a lot of them are figuring it out. I do have to ask you this because it's a question I think everybody has on their mind because it goes back to high school. This isn't just colleges, but it's obviously done in college too. <laughs> What's the deal with um, academics at times? Like there's obviously there's smart guys on the team that, you know, take the classes, do, go everything through it. And then there's just guys that you have to kind of push through it, right? And, you, and so is that more, um, you know, everybody just kind of gets a tutor and they get all their times? Is there different, like, paperwork that gets to be done? Because we know – or is it just the classes? Are those the that people say the athlete classes where, you know, some guys would be able to go there? North Carolina got in so much trouble as having a complete department for it. Um, but is that – I mean, I always kind of envisioned – they're kind of being in just this straight up meeting of like, hey, do you want to take athlete classes or do you want to take give it a big swing at academics because you've got the smarts for it? Is there, is there like a meeting? Does it come down to it? Well, you, you do sit down and meet with uh, people in the a- academic department. I, I can just only speak for myself. Right. I don't know how it shifted and changed. But yeah, well, you sit down and you kind of try to come up with a plan as to what you want to do and how you want to try to do it. And a lot of the times, a lot of young people come in and they have no idea. And I, I can even say for oh, yeah. myself, at first, I think I, I think first I was in law enforcement or something like that, um, you know, in the legalese side of things. But then I shifted. So I, I can only say that, yes, um, there's those discussions. And initially, some of those academic advisors will lead you a certain path just to kind of give you a taste. And it's a lot, it's not as strenuous, it's not as hard. Me personally, I was taking 16, 18 hours. I was really getting in and trying to get out. So yeah. some of them, you you kind of minimize those hours so that it's not strenuous, it's not stress on them. And then let them kind of take some of those easier courses. Then you get them in the summer to kind of minimize the harder courses because you can't, you can't throw a whole semester into a summer. So the, the summer teachers, it's not as hard. So I took my science and stuff like that oh, okay. in, in the summertime because it was easier for me to do and to knock that out in a few, you know, few weeks right. as opposed to a whole semester. Yeah, it's just kind of fascinating. I'm sure it, it's different everywhere with every individual, but especially. You do you get know, tutors too, though. Yeah. You, Which you know, you got study hall hours. Yeah, you get credit for study hall hours and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't always like to tell this story because it's not always shining a great light on my alma mater. But I was in a class with a prominent player one time, and he was asked of what uh, by one of the other classmates what he's doing for his big, uh, you know, it's like a you know worth like thirty percent or twenty percent of the grade. He's like, what are you doing for Paper? this? Yeah, what are you doing for this a big project? midterm or whatever project? <laughs> he said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> hey, oh, okay, hey, listen, well. <laughs> hey, Bach, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a little secret, right? There were times this is now this is old, so it can't come back on me now. But there were times when you can't do this now because they've got systems in place that'll kill this, where I had to write a killer paper and I knew I did and I was late. I knew I was late. So what we used to do (laughs) is if we ever found ourselves in that situation, we would call down to our friends at Kansas State or call down to our friends at, at Kansas or Missouri and say, yo. I got a paper from last semester. I'm going to give you, you send me one <laughs> and we would exchange papers oh, there you and go. we would turn them in. Yeah. That's how, I mean, that's if you ever got caught late, you can't do that now. Cause they got those plagiarism. You put that stuff in. I, I, I was going to some uh, master's courses. 
you put that stuff in that plagiarism system, that stuff reads everything. Oh, yeah. And it will call you out. There's 90, 90% of your stuff is plagiarized. plagiarized. <laughs> <laughs> you just write like a few simple sentences and you're like, well, yeah, no, I'm sure man. these sentences have been put no, together. I've but... seen that before. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've seen that. <laughs> Red mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy the way technology's turned, but it also certainly helps, I'm, I'm sure, too. Like, I can't imagine being in like grade or middle school now where you know i don't know how much the phones are prevalent but like back in the day you'd have to wait to get to the library to look something up now like yes just look it up on Yo, your phone and raise your you hand had to go read the book right to, man please now bro. kids can just raise their hand and answer it after they google search it real quick so it's kind of crazy. crazy uh we'll take a quick break here uh when we come back here on the block we'll talk about the nfl overtime rules which have finally changed thank god we'll see both quarterbacks in the postseason but should it be the same for the regular season? We'll debate that next here on The Block on 93.7 The Ticket.